Hey guys, welcome back to the Road to Madness podcast. I'm Min Dong. I'm Matt Giglio. Uh, 57 days until the 2020 season begins. Yeah, um, sadly, the Celtics lost, but the NBA Finals looks to be a good one with the Heat and the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, tough loss for the Celtics, but uh, a lot of good things coming uh, around the corner, obviously. Uh, obviously, NFL uh, kicking off. Actually, some terrible news happened as a couple guys on the uh, Tennessee Titans actually tested positive for that. So, uh, that should be some interesting news there in the NFL. But uh, NBA, like you said, going pretty smooth uh, so far. And very excited to watch this finals between the Heat and the Lakers. Yeah. Um, normally, we would kick things off with some breaking news. But surprisingly, there's no breaking news to talk about. Other than that, just a quick note, there's more and more teams that have withdrew from preseason tournaments and classics, which is pretty scary. Um, some of them will have to be canceled as those teams – I'll probably make their own bubble, I'm guessing. What would you say? Uh, yes. Uh, I have seen some reports of some teams making their own bubbles. Uh, Ole Miss is one that comes to mind right away. And a couple other teams have. So expect some local bubble games probably, but like within the state of Mississippi probably, for Ole Miss at least. And, uh, yeah, I mean, lots of teams moving from one tournament to another uh, if they do want to compete in the tournament still. And BC is a good example of that. A couple other teams have moved tournaments. Uh already which i know of uh i think umass actually did move too so mm-hmm. there's two of our local teams moving tournaments but uh yeah i mean it will be a lot shorter uh, than the actual tournament previews we did there will be a lot shorter tournaments and classics but regardless there will still be a decent amount of them uh if it's actually ba- uh, based on or played uh, by the ncaa or just played by the team hosting so pretty cool there i'm excited to see what happens and what team go ends up going where because I mean, sure, some teams aren't going to play, obviously, because a lot of them are withdrawn uh, left and right. But uh, I'm excited to watch those ones that are going to play and which ones are going to be in a certain location bubble, such as Ole Miss. So I'm excited for all three of those. But, uh, yeah, just a quick note there. Yeah. Um, so let's get to some waivers. Uh, there's 121 approved waivers, 115 pending, and only six declined. Uh, that's, that's, that's crazy. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, to the sixth declined. I don't know. I don't know what they did to uh, make the NCAA angry at them, but uh, they did. They did get declined. And uh, just looking at that ratio, one twenty-one to six. That's a very big ratio. Uh, obviously, it's not a hundred percent, but it's it's relatively close to a hundred percent, which is uh, it's pretty impressive and it's pretty uh, interesting. Obviously, what's going on? It makes sense that all of these waivers are getting approved, but logistically, should some of these waivers that have gotten approved? Personally, I don't think so. I mean, if you played a whole season last year, I don't think you should be able to get a waiver and play this year, personally speaking. Sure, there's some exceptions, obviously, but if you played a whole season and you did, like, well and you played, like, a lot of minutes, I don't think you should be able to play this year, personally speaking. But, uh, I mean, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, still 115 pending, like you said. So I'm excited to see what those cases are going to be because those could be very uh, big and drastic in terms of the whole NCAA and in terms of individual conference play as well. So I'm excited to see what those waivers end up being. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, normally it's the other way around. Normally it's six approves and 121 declined. Uh, so pretty, pretty shocking here. But at the same time, not shocking due to this pandemic. I understand players want to go closer to home and all that. But, yeah, normally the NCAA is real stingy with the waivers. But, this year, I think they're pretty laid back. 
Yeah, and uh, speaking of approved waivers, uh, we're now going to get into some of the guys who have recently gotten their waivers approved. Uh, only three of them on this list today, but like like we said, expect a ton more within these next couple weeks. Uh, first guy we got up is Isaiah Wilkins out of Wake Forest, transferred from Virginia Tech, averaged four and a half points a game, two and a half rebounds, one and a half assists per game this past season. He does have two years left. Uh, obviously, Wake Forest, a lot of things are new in this program. Obviously, losing a lot of guys, bringing in new guys, and obviously, the coaching change here with Steve Forbes. Uh, where do you see Wake Forest in their first year of this Steve Forbes era? Yeah, I see them as a sub-500 team. Um, they, they won't make a postseason berth. Uh, I just see them towards the bottom of the ACC in the first year of the Steve Forbes era. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree with you here. Uh, I personally believe this team's a bottom five team in the ACC. ACC, personally, in my opinion, just got so much better this year. And a lot of new guys coming in, uh, transfers or prospects. So it's a lot more competitive, I believe, this year than last. That uh, might not be, like, actual, factual, but I think personally – based on all these strengths of schedules and teams, I think the ACC will be a lot more competitive. And Wake Forest, they just don't get that uh, inch and that strive, uh, such as these other teams have gotten. And uh, don't get me wrong, they're still bringing a ton of very good players. But I just think they lost out on so much, and they don't really get that much better. So that's why I got them as a bottom five team. I don't know if they'll actually be at the bottom team, but they they are pretty close to the bottom. So I'm not going to rank them yet, obviously. But – it should be towards the bottom five of the ACC for them. Mm-hmm. Ah, next waiver, Flynn Cameron of UC Riverside. He's a transfer from DePaul. Two and a half points, one rebound in 11 games. He has two years left. UC Riverside, they were both at number three in our biggest rankings behind UC Santa Barbara and UC Irvine. Do you think they will leapfrog into our top two with this waiver? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough take there. Uh, personally, I'm going to think no. I think both of those two teams, UC Santa Barbara and obviously UC Irvine, are the two best teams in that conference still. And even with this waiver here for Cameron and UC Riverside, I still think this is the third team in that Big West uh, three-headed monster. So, yeah, I mean, it's just huge for getting a waiver here in Cameron. But I still think UC Irvine and UC Santa Barbara are two uh, much better teams than UC Riverside right now. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. UC Santa Barbara, UC Irvine, they're just more experienced. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely just the better teams in the Big West right now. Yeah, and uh, the final wave we have today is uh, Cooper Robb out of Eastern Kentucky. Transfer from Charlotte, uh, averaged uh, five points a game, three rounds a game, one and a half per, uh, steals per game, sorry, this past season. Uh, he will have two years remaining. Uh, Eastern Kentucky is actually in the Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, obviously, we'll be covering that next episode. So we're not going to get into too much detail here, but is this a good pickup for Eastern Kentucky? Yeah, definitely. And uh, they actually, we're actually covering the Missouri Valley Conference next. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Ohio, Ohio soon, though. Yeah, that, that'll be in like one or two weeks. But, yeah, we'll leave the spoilers out. Yeah, my bad. I mean, I, I, I usually tend to mix up the Ohio Valley Conference and Missouri Valley Conference. They're, just, they're basically the same conference, just looking at what teams are in it and, like, Who's there? So, yeah, my apologies there. Missouri Valley Conference is next, but Ohio Valley is soon to come. Yeah. Um, and now our main main topic, of course, our conference preview. Today's conference, the MEAC. Um, this this conference is, has made a lot of noise lately. A lot of noise indeed. And we'll get to that noise when we actually get into the preview. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think I need to go into detail about how this works. I think we're, I think everyone here probably knows what's going on by now. So, without further ado, let's kick things off with your Player of the Year for the MEAC. Yeah, I have Cameron Langley here of NC A&T. Um, Langley's the school's all-time assist leader. He's closing on the school's all-time steals leader. Um, he's one of the best passers in the country. Had eight assists last year. Also chipped in five, nine and a half points and five rebounds along with two steals. Um, with the top two scores gone, Langley should be able to score double-digit points despite a lack of shot. And NCNT, they've been successful for a while now. And he's going to be that leader of the team. And I think they're going to still be successful. Yeah, I mean, Langley is a very good player coming back for the MEAC. I think he definitely has a very good chance to win this player of the year this year. But I'm going to go on a very crazy take right now, and I'm going to say McCurr Maker from Howard will win this year's Player of the Year. You might be thinking to yourself, isn't he a freshman incoming rookie? Yes. Usually, yes, you're right. A veteran does win the Player of the Year or a returning player. But this year in the MEAC, I do have McCurr Maker coming in and winning this Player of the Year's first year. Obviously, former five-star recruit coming into Howard, obviously – the historic black college and university had a big factor with this. Uh, he, he had offers from Duke, Kentucky, UCLA. I'd go on and on about who he got offers from. So he, he is the real deal. Don't get me wrong. Seven foot center. He's the real deal. And a seven foot center playing in the NEAC. That's just unheard of, I think. So yeah, I mean, just him playing in this conference. I think he's going to be a very dominant player right from the jump. So that is why I do have him as the player of the year, which is a very big take. But I, I definitely believe in this happening. Mm-hmm. Um, he is definitely my runner-up. What I would say is that he has the potential to be the best player in the MEAC right now. I, like I said, potential. Maybe maybe in the middle of the season, I will say he is the best player in the MEAC. But right now, it's just, it's just potential and hype right now, in my opinion. Very, very, very fair. But if they do start to rack the wins up, uh, don't say I told you so, because I, I told you so. Yeah. Um, dark Horse, I have Morgan State here. Um, Coach Kevin Broadus, he has quietly built this program into a contender with only their top score and six men leaving. Um, they do bring in a four-star recruit who once was a Florida State commit, and they also bring in a good load of transfers and a, a very good class of transfers. Um, this team has the piece to win it all, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, Morgan State, definitely a dark horse for me as well. Uh, I do, I did pick another one, but Morgan State, that, that transfer class coming in is probably the best in the conference. So I'm excited to see what they can do with it. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I do have Coppin State or Coppin State here as my dark horse. Obviously, uh, this team has been a joke of a college basketball team these past couple of years. Uh, but finally, things are turning around, and they are merging into a pretty solid team now. Uh, obviously, they do, they do lose two starters, but everyone else does return. Very excited to watch this team play. Uh, they finally started to rack up the wins last year, something they haven't done in a very long time. And I think that success will continue and carry over uh, to this season. So I'm rooting for Coppin State here. So I'm just hoping the best for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, number 10, I have South Carolina State here. Um, this conference is basically the last place team in this conference is basically labeled the worst program in college basketball, essentially. And unfortunately, I think SE, South Carolina State will be in this spot as they lose six of their top eight. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I personally think there's two teams that could fit this spot. South Carolina State is definitely one that I have in mind, but the other one I have in mind at my number 10 is Bethune-Cookman. And, uh, yes, this team was a top-four team last year in the conference, but I think they're going to move to the bottom, or at least the bottom three, in my opinion. Uh, four starters gone, six-man gone. I just don't think that's a recipe for a good season. I think it's going to be a pretty bad one for Bethune-Cookman. And uh, they need scores, and they don't really have it. All three of these bottom three teams do not have scores coming back. So the big main theme and big problem there for all three of those teams. So I think whoever doesn't figure it out the quickest will be the bottom team in the MEAC. And, but personally for Bethune-Cookman, I think it's just back to the drawing board for them. After a very good season, I think it's just going to be a pretty underwhelming one for them next year. Mm-hmm. I have Bethune-Cookman one spot above you at number nine. Um, I just believe their coaching staff is just flat out better than South Carolina State's. Um, if you saw 2018, they were 16 seed. They took uh, Virginia, the, the champion, um, the then champion, to the wire. They, they were leading with like five minutes left, and then Virginia turned it on. So, yeah, I think the coaching staff is just a lot better there than in South Carolina State. Yeah, I can definitely see that as well. Uh, Personally, I think the South Carolina State team is better in depth in terms of depth and players. But like you said, I think Bethune-Cookman definitely has a better coaching staff there. So I do have South Carolina State here number nine. Uh, obviously, they lose a ton of guys, but uh, the problem here is, like I said, scoring. Uh, no one averaged 10 points a game on this team that's coming back for next season. And that's the problem with them and also Maryland Eastern Shore, who we'll talk about in a second. Uh, two of those teams not returning a double-digit score. That's a big, big problem. You need, I think you need at least one guy to be a double-digit scorer. Sure, if it's 10 points a game, sure. I mean, at least he's a double-digit scorer. And sure, this might mean it's team basketball. I understand that. But they just don't get the results from it if they're playing good team basketball. So I think that's a big problem here. And if they don't figure it out, uh, this team could definitely slip to that bottom uh, 10 spot. So I think it's a three-headed race for the bottom. But I think South Carolina State is that middle team right now in that race. Mm-hmm. I also had a Maryland Eastern Shore at number eight. Like you said, this team averaged less than 60 points a game. They averaged 57 points a game last year, and they lose their only double-digit score. So, yeah, um, they do have a lot of guys who got a year under their belt, and if they can find their offense, I don't think they will be that bad of a team at all. But it's just a matter of fact if they can find their offense. Yeah, and just looking at their roster next year, they only lose two stars and a little bit of their bench. So they got the guys to return to be a pretty good team. But uh, that's why I have them here at eight. If they can't score, then they're not going to be a very good team. And if they do something like they did last year, I don't think they'll see results. So they need to get at least over 60 points a game if they want to be successful. Uh, I think think it's definitely doable, uh, especially with some starters coming back. But obviously it's uh, unfortunate that they lose their double to score. But I think they have a chance to be a little bit higher. But – if things, like I said, if things don't go well, this could be another potential team to be that number 10 spot in the MAIC. Mm-hmm. Um, number seven, I have Delaware State here. Um, Delaware State will look on to improve a six-win season. I believe they will, even though John Crosby, their only double-digit scorer, who actually scored 20 points a game, is graduating. Everyone else is returning, and they also get Tennessee transfer, Zach Kent eligible. So I honestly think they can compete with the top guys, but I don't think they have the experience to finish. Yeah, I got to agree with you here. Uh, I do have them at number seven as well. 
Uh, obviously, the loss of Crosby is huge. I mean, he was a very, very vital piece for that team last year. And sure, the results didn't really show it, but he was one of the most vital pieces on that team last year. Uh, like you said, I think it's just huge that transfer Zach Kent's eligible. I mean, he's probably going to be top option on this team. Uh, probably he might he might be. I think he's a good chance to be, but obviously for the beginning of the year, he probably won't be. But yeah, he has a chance to be a double-digit scorer for this Delaware State team. And I mean, yeah, I mean they need some guys to step up. And like you said, finishing definitely a problem for them because they can't seem to close out games even when they had the lead. And I saw a lot of the box scores um, with obviously the MEAC and Delaware State couldn't finish out games. They were leading games at halftime, and then things just turned around. So if they can figure that out, this team could move up into the top five, I believe. But if not, they're going to stay in that middle of the pack and towards that bottom of the middle middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, number six, I have Copen State here. Um, like you said earlier, Copen State is one of the memes of college basketball. But honestly, you, they aren't as bad as you guys might think. Um, yeah, they, they might have less than 10 wins every year, but they always have one of the hardest non-conference schedules in the conference, and they're always in the middle of the pack in the conference. So I expect them to stay in the middle of the pack. Yeah, and uh, this might be a little low for my number six, but I do have Morgan State here. Don't get me wrong, this seems to be a very good one next year. Definitely another dark horse candidate. Uh, they bring in a lot of good transfers, like we said earlier. But the question is, are all of these transfers going to get waivers? I know some of them have, but I'm pretty sure some of them haven't gotten waivers yet. So if they do get the waivers and everyone's eligible to play, this team is going to move up into the top four. But as of right now, I am considering this Morgan State team to not be at full strength with their waivers. Mm-hmm. Approaching the top five, you might think this is a little low. It might be a little low, but I have Howard here. Um, yeah, this team, this team is hyped up with Maker Maker and uh, Nojo Eastern from Purdue coming. And I do honestly think this is a five-team race. So, but I won't believe the hype until I see it. It's a very bold take there, Howard at number five. Uh, I, 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 could see, I could see them being a four or three, five. I think five is a little too low for them personally. I mean, you could say the same about Morgan State, six being a little too low. I, I definitely understand, but. I don't know. I don't know. You're going to have to see where I put Howard uh, later in the episode. Uh, I do have Copen State here at number five, obviously my dark horse. Uh, like you said, non-conference schedules is one of the toughest, uh, basically in all of the college basketball. But this year, I think they will not have the strength of those non-conference games, uh, obviously due to what's going on in the pandemic. So I think that's a good thing for them because the record will probably show a little bit better than what uh, they perceive to be. So. I expect this team to have uh, over 10 games uh, won on their resume, hopefully. So it's just good news for them. So I think this team's definitely competing in that top six, I think. But uh, they're probably that five or six team in that top six race. So that's why I got them here at number five. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, I have Morgan State here. Uh, as you guys know, this was my dark horse. Um, they just have a lot of pieces. They have a, a great recruit coming in. Like you said, they're waiting for some transfers to be eligible. But, yeah, I definitely think they are deserving of their number four spot ahead of Howard. And, and number four is a team we haven't talked about today, and that is going to be Norfolk State. Uh, this is a very solid team year in and year out. Uh, only lose two stars this year. And they bring back a very vital weapon in Joe Bryant Jr. I think he's definitely a lock for an all-conference player. Uh, he's, he's a tremendous player. He averaged 13 points a game. 
and he was the second option on that team. So I think this year he's going to be at least a 15-point-a-game score, maybe even a 20, 20 points per game score. So I think it all depends on what Joe Bryant Jr. does for this Norfolk State team. And if he does everything right, they could definitely move into the top three, but there is a chance that they could slip down to maybe five or six as well. So right in the middle there for Norfolk State at number four. Mm-hmm. Um, I have them one spot above you in my top three. This is another team who has been pretty dominant in this conference. They have a ton of experience. Um, they also have a four-star recruit coming, which is, which is crazy, and a couple of transfer eligible. Um, this team is definitely in the thick of this race. Yeah, and uh, speaking of very dominant teams in the MEAC, uh, what about North Carolina A&T? That's why I got them here at number three. Uh, obviously, this team is very consistent year in and year out in the MEAC. For Charing Langley, like we said earlier, it definitely helps the team out a lot. He's expected to be an all-conference player, maybe even a player of the year for the conference. So, I mean, just having him alone is just huge. Obviously, they do lose two starters, but I think the depth on this team definitely makes up for the loss of the two starters. So that's why I got them here at number three. Mm-hmm. Number two, I have NCAT, I think one spot above you. Um, this team finished second last year, although they have they lose three starters, sorry. Um, they have lots of depth. They have one of the best leaders in Langley. Yeah, definitely competing for the MEAC like the other five teams I have. Yeah, number two, uh, yeah, you might be thinking, is Howard Gilmer number one? Nah, I can't go that far. I got them here at number two. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm here for all the hype. I think this team definitely deserved it this year. Uh, obviously, they finished last in the conference last year. I think they, you know, they only had one win in conference play last year, but they did defeat South Carolina State in the first round of the conference tournament. So the record does show that they only won one game in the conference, but let's be honest, they, they beat a team in the first round. They upset them. So they're, they're definitely doable here at number two. Obviously, they do lose three starters, but I think what they, what they, what they have coming in just makes up for that. And obviously, that is McCurr Maker and Nozel Easton from Purdue, like you said earlier. So mm-hmm. I think this team will make the turnaround, believe it or not. Two might be a little high, but I think this team is in that race for the top, for the top spot. They definitely have a very good chance if that chemistry can build right from the get-go. Yeah, and the top spot, I feel like it is a pretty simple one. It is NC Central. And when we were speaking of dominant for the past, for NCNT and Norfolk State, NC Transport has actually been dominant. I, I feel like they've been, they've been winning this conference for, for the past 20 years. And, uh, yeah, they have one of the most impactful coaches in college basketball who also deserves a high major chance. Uh, this team plays as a team. They're just so much fun to watch. There's so much talent, uh, such a high floor, and also such a high ceiling. Yeah, I mean, this is a pretty simple one here. NC Central, number one. Uh, they do lose some depth on this team, but this is one of the – this is the most consistent team in the MAAC Commerce for the past 10 years. Uh, they don't really have a real star. That's, that's the beauty of NC Central. No one's really that scorer on that team. It's a very well-rounded basketball. That's what we like. That's what we like for these teams. It's like a Wisconsin, but uh, yeah, I mean, this team's always here in the uh, March Madness tournament. We always see them. Uh, they probably would have made it last year, uh, obviously, but you know, you know what happened there. So uh, I think this is the year that they're going to be back in. I mean, they're destined for it last year. Why not carry it over and win it again this year? Mm-hmm. And that concludes our MEAC conference preview. Um, and honestly, you guys might. Um, this team is always this conference actually is always one of probably one of the worst but with all the talent coming I honestly don't think they are that bad anymore 
Yeah, I mean, I think just looking at the all the conferences as a whole, I definitely think this team moves up a couple ranks in that all the conference rankings. Uh, I think there's a couple other te- the conferences you can name that are below the MAC now. Uh, so that's just good for them, and it, hopefully a lot more guys come to these schools because most of them are historic black colleges and universities. And the McCormick maker, uh, his goal is just to – basically influence some of the younger guys to make these decisions like he did to Howard. And that's just the beauty of college basketball. And I, I, I personally think we'll definitely see a couple guys go to some of these schools in the MEAC. And that's just going to make the conference a lot better and more competitive. So I'm excited to see what the future holds for this conference. It will definitely not be the worst conference in the NCAA in a couple of years, I personally believe. Mm-hmm, for sure. And like you said in the beginning, the next conference is – the Missouri Valley Conference, which is probably one of the more competitive mid-major tournaments. And I'm pretty excited to, to see where I rank all those teams. Yeah, I mean, Missouri Valley, year in and year out, it's, it's always competitive. Uh, I mean, the race is just so close between a lot of those top-heavy teams. Sure, you could say the bottom isn't – it's pretty simple. Yes, it is. But the top, the top of that Missouri Valley Conference is probably one of the hardest mid-major conferences to predict because there's just so many teams you can mention there. And every year, I feel like a new team and uh, makes it to the March Madness tournament for the Missouri Valley Conference. And a couple of those teams have made very impressive runs. Uh, obviously, Loyola Chicago a couple of years ago made that magnificent run, something we haven't seen in a very long time. And then you even got some teams like Murray State upsetting Marquette in the first round, thanks to John Moran, obviously. But will that happen again soon? We don't know. That's the beauty of the Missouri Valley Conference. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk, talk about that conference next episode. It's always a pleasure to go over the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah, I know. I left 21 conferences left, 57 days left. And so we'll be grinding those out. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. Stay safe, and it's always March. It's always March. Thank you guys for watching.